0: You may have these grand plans of your own. And I've mentioned this to you, but you never know when God's going to stop you, dead in your tracks. I think some of you here may have your grand plans of your own. But I want you to stop and think about about that for a moment. Maybe you just need to surrender that to the Lord. I don't make too many plans in this life, I'll be quite frank with you. Yes, we do make plans, but you understand what I'm getting at. There may come a time when God... May be bringing you to a place where you'll be required to leave it all behind and follow Him. There may be a time in your life where you'll be required to lose everything you have in order to gain Christ. To turn on the Scriptures, we'd like you to open up your Bibles to Genesis 15 and verse 6. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And we are continuing on from last week. And we're looking at Abraham, although uh, we are not examining his life today in detail. We are looking at what I would consider a chief component of what defined his life, and that was his faith. Abraham was a man of faith. So I'd like us to turn to Genesis chapter 15. Those of you listening online, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And the Bible says, And he, speaking of Abraham here, he believed in the Lord and he counted it it to him for righteousness. The Lord counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed what God promised. Did Abraham see God's promises in his lifetime? No. But he believed. He believed. Let's move forward now to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11. And this is known as the Hall of Faith chapter in the Bible. And Abraham occupies a large portion of this chapter, as does, as does Moses. And this only stands to reason, as in the Old Testament, there are two of the most well-known uh, figures and essentially patriarchs. A- Abraham was a patriarch of the faith, and so was Moses, if you will. So we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to begin in verse 9. Just allow me to turn there fully. I do have it enfolded in here, but I want to read out of my Bible. Alright, so we're going, to, we're going to start here in verse 8. And, we, and, the, and the scripture reads, By faith, Abraham, when he was called out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Obeyed. Are you obeying? God is constantly calling people out through His Word. Are you obeying? And He went out not knowing whither He went. By faith He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with Him of the same promise. For He looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, another miracle of God here, by the way, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Amen. Therefore sprang there even one, sorry, of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as as the sand, which is by the seashore innumerable, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We are as well. That's what the Bible calls us, pilgrims. For they, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to have returned. If I had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. That's what we desire. Amen. Amen. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Amen. For he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. By the way, in the Old Testament, it says only son. In Genesis chapter 22, but in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit reveals to us that His only begotten Son, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. By the way, it speaks of seed here. It speaks of the Messiah. I want you to understand that. It speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind to come, the Savior of the Jews, the Deliverer of the Jews. We can go on. Amen accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Here, what does that tell you about Abraham? He believed in the resurrection. Amen. Amen. Believed? He believed in the resurrection. From whence also he received in him a figure. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give Thee thanks, Lord, for the blessing of the Scriptures and for these portions of Scripture both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Lord. We learn from the scriptures that Abraham was a man of faith, Lord. Lord, yes, he was not without fault. We understand that, Lord. Or no, he was not without fault. But he was a man of faith. Same with us here. And I trust that everyone here, both the ladies and the gentlemen, will be men and women of faith. Lord, and I trust, Lord, that this message that Thou was laid on my heart, Lord, will be a blessing to Thy people here, even those online. Lord, it will edify them, Lord. It will strengthen their faith. Lord, I trust, Lord, that there is something contained within this message that will speak to them, Lord. Perhaps we're lacking in our faith, Lord, and I pray for those who are, have been lacking in their faith that Thou was given the power and the strength to exercise the faith that Thou was given them. That faith, Lord, that caused them to believe the gospel, repent and believe the gospel, that they would exercise that faith consistently throughout. In Jesus' precious name I pray, Amen. 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 So what is faith? Well, Hebrews chapter one and verse uh, chapter eleven, verse one gives us that definition. And as I heard one preacher say, it's not only a definition of faith, but it's also a declaration. Right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. Faith is being fully persuaded that God will deliver. What God has promised, He will fulfill. Both negative and positive, by the way. That's what faith is. Now, concerning Abraham, I'd like us to note that there are many godly characteristics that we can associate with him. But the one that stands out, as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, was that he was a man of faith. It was his faith that characterized who he was, that characterized his family life, his life in general. Abraham was a man who had faith in God. And I will add, he had a faith that was much greater than many of you here, including this preacher. I am firmly convinced that many of us here, including you online, are living by sight rather than by faith. It was his faith that characterized him. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Romans 4 and verse 3. It was counted unto him for righteousness. When we believe the gospel, we believe God, by the way, when we believe the gospel. And not only believe it, but we repent and believe We see ourselves as sinners condemned before God worthy of hell and through His Son His only begotten Son the Lord Jesus Christ and receiving His precious gospel message what He did for us on the cross when He bled and died for our sins and rose from the grave it's accounted unto us for righteousness His righteousness it was known as the imputed righteousness of God of Christ It's His righteousness. I can say today as a believer, as a born-again man of God, that I'm made righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm clothed in His righteousness. Often when we are ministering to the lost, they think that we are more righteous than they are. Not of myself. You know what? My flesh is a lot worse than them. Some of the things I did in my flesh, my old nature when I only had the flesh was much worse than what many of those that we meet no I'm not more righteous than you in of myself but through him the Lord Jesus Christ I am made righteous the righteousness that you may perceive is his righteousness that's been imputed unto me I am wearing his righteousness I would also like to note that Abraham was called by God to go into another land yeah. He was called to leave his country and kindred. He was called to leave the com- creature comforts of this world, this heathen world, into a world unknown. He was called to leave the, wicked, the, the evil and wicked idolatry of his land and to separate himself unto God and surrender to his plan. Is that what's happened to you? Is this what's happened the moment? Isn't this this what's happened to us? The moment we were saved, we are separated from the world. You better be. You, I remember when I first got saved. The immediate crossroads, I um, my immediate fork in the road or crossroads was listening to the old music I used to listen to. And going to some of the old places I used to go to, but the Holy Spirit, as a newborn babe—that's what you are when you come to Christ. You know nothing. It's a clean slate at that moment. So all I do, all I had was past memories, and this is because I got saved a bit later. Yo, know, that's why I pray for these young children, and sure they all claim to be saved. So I'm going to trust in that. Obviously, it's between them and the Lord but even the young children the young children if, you, if the Lord blesses you with young children we're praying for that by the way um, that to be saved at a young age that they don't have to experience what you experienced don't have to experience what you experienced he probably experienced a lot worse than what you experienced which is probably just as bad as what I experienced when I got saved and some of you I understand and we're not going get, to get in details but we were engaging in some wicked evil sin. Sin that's not lawful to talk about, nor do I take pleasure in talking about you. You hear some of these testimonies, by the way, of or, or this gangster that gets saved, you know, mafia man, and he's going around doing speaking engagements, talking about what he used to do the whole time. This is what I was, and this is what Jesus saved me from, but all he does is talk about what he used to do and glorify that rather than the one who saved him, supposedly saved him out of that. I don't want to be that man. That's why I don't like to talk too much about my past. I'll tell you that. I used to do drugs and things like that. I'll even give that testimony when I'm preaching to the lost in the street so they can somewhat have a connection there. But I won't go into the details what I did. It's not necessary. Not necessary. Abraham was called by God to go into another land. He was a sojourner and a pilgrim of that land that he was called to. The Bible clearly bears this plan out. I will also like us to note that there was a price to be paid for his faith. I want to add to this, there is a price to be paid for your faith. For the place that he was called was a long ways from where he lived. Gentlemen, you never know what God's calling you to. We're not talking about a geographic location, although God can, can certainly call you to a geographical location location if he's calling you to the ministry. This meant it would require much effort on Abraham's part, entering that land unknown. It required much energy. It required much expense to move from Ur of the Chaldees to Canaan. This also meant that that there would be many perils and problems along his journey. As many of you know, this Christian life is not easy you know one thing is when you have become born again you've believed the gospel you've received Jesus Christ as your savior your eyes have been opened and with that can come much sorrow you see things a lot more clearly than you used to and with that there there can come much sorrow yeah there's much joy in the Christian life but I believe there's an equal measure of sorrow a godly sorrow by the way There are some things that you ought to be sorrowful in this world about. There are some things that you ought to be distressed about in this world when you look around you. Absolutely. It's the same thing for us as Christians in our Christian lives as we seek to enter the promised land. By the way, you've already entered into that land the moment you were born again. We've inherited the kingdom. And one day we'll be ruling and reigning with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The price of faith is not cheap, my friends. Verse uh, verse 8 tells us, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, after for an inheritance. He didn't receive it right away. In fact, he he didn't live to receive it all. But he believed God. This required patience. For Abraham had to wait to see the blessings. In fact, he did not see those blessings in his lifetime. Yet through it all, he believed God. Do you? Do I find it odd? You'll trust the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to save your soul. But some of you here won't even trust the Lord Jesus Christ. To put food in your table. To pay your rent. There may be some of you here that will even miss work. Because you're called to work that day because you need the money. Rather than losing the pay and trusting God to make up for it to be in God's house. Well, I guess to note also that Abraham's faith required absolute obedience to what God had commanded. By faith, the Bible says, when he was called to go out into a place which you should receive after for an inheritance, he what? He, what? He obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. There' sometimes God's going to call you somewhere, and at that moment you don't know where you're going, but you know God has called you, and you're going to obey. You're going to trust Him to lead you. Perhaps God is calling you. Are you ready? he might lead you into a land unknown he may not understand the journey he's taken on you but he's calling you are you ready are you ready abraham was a man of faith who willingly chose to leave the creature comforts of this world and follow the will of god into a land unknown are some of you hanging on to the creature comforts of this world? I think we're too comfortable here. We were in the foreman's house the other day there. we got too much stuff. So do we, by the way. I don't think you'll miss something. You may miss it. I don't want to part away with some of this stuff. It's got some sentimental value, but you know what? When you get rid of it, you're not going to miss it. Absolutely. And we could say the same thing. We've got too much stuff. You only notice that you have too much stuff when it comes to moving it. <laughs> Right, that's what it became. Oh boy, I didn't realize I had all this. I didn't realize this, you know, it took 125 boxes to move all this stuff. I didn't think there was that much. (laughs) Amen. Abraham was a man of faith, and he chose to leave the creature comforts of this world to answer the call of God in his life. So gentlemen here, and I'm speaking to you because this message is primarily to the men of the church. Men of the church. Why? Because you are our future leaders. You are going to be the leaders. God doesn't call the women to lead here. He calls the men. got young men here. Some of you married, or Brother Andrew and myself. Of course, we've got Zepton. We're all married. We're all the head of our home, by the way. You have a family. You don't have children yet, but you have a family. You're the head of your home. You're in a position of God-ordained leadership. Some of you may be called to the pastorate, to the office of the pastor. Perhaps a missionary. Who knows what God is calling you to? Are you ready to leave it all behind? By the way, this here is not a glorified position. It's glorified in the eyes of God, but it's not. There are men, I'm sure, behind the pulpit that are seeking glory, but they're, they're diatrophies. That's all they are. They want the preeminence. If your desire is to have the preeminence, this is not for you. You need to be as John the Baptist, have the mindset of John the Baptist. I'm going to decrease, and my Lord and Savior is going to increase. It's funny how to the lost, I know I get accused. <laughs> there is your milk! I thought you—that's you, your milk. I'm I, sorry for the language you used. I just didn't know how to edit all that out. <laughs> By the way, Roman Catholics are so profane. Wow. Even quoting scripture, that man was using profanity. <laughs> it's not funny. It's just absolutely. Well, I, I can't believe it. Well, you know, pray for his salvation. I, I mean, to get that angry and all—I don't know—just worked up. I mean, that means he's under conviction. I, I have to think about that. But yeah, to be, clear, I've been I've been I've been accused of that. That's, that's your milk. I got milk in the congregation here. <laughs> Do you realize I just told you I work a full time job, all right? Blue collar labor. I work a full time job and okay. <laughs> if this is my milk, then I wouldn't need that full time job. I'll be like Kenneth Copeland or, or or Joel Osteen, and I'll have this racket. And I'll be preaching, live your best life now, and i will have that smile. <laughs> well, you know, we don't preach against those things. We just want people to really have this positive mindset. You know, you know hell, it's just hard. They, they're going through enough things in their life already, and we just don't want to compound that. We just want you to be positive, think positively, and, you know, God is going to bring that about. <laughs> Amen. I <laughs> should start preaching that maybe we'll have a bus exodus out the door here amen. <laughs> amen Abraham obeyed God Abraham was a man of faith who chose to answer the call of God so gentlemen again I want to really reiterate this fact be sensitive to the call of God on your life be sensitive to where he wants you to be I can, or I can honestly say God changed the course of your life. And as your pastor, I saw it coming well before you did. And I'm not taking glory in that. I just saw it coming. And now it's clear to you why. It's clear to you why. You may have these grand plans of your own. And I've mentioned this to you, but you never know when God's going to stop you dead in your tracks. I think some of you here may have your grand plans of your own. But I want you to stop and think about a moment, think about that for a moment. Maybe you just need to surrender that to the Lord. I don't make too many plans in this life, I'll be quite frank with you. Yes, we do make plans, but you understand what I'm getting at. There may come a time when God. Maybe bringing you to a place where you'll be required to leave it all behind and follow Him. There may be a time in your life where you'll be required to lose everything you have in order to gain Christ. I think we need this in this country. I think some of our independent Baptist churches, or so-called independent Baptist churches, some of the people there need to lose everything to know what it's about. To surrender all to Christ. The Apostle Paul said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yeah. So are you willing to give everything up if God requires you to? Are you? You're never too old. You never know. I want to ask you, what are you holding on to right now? Think about it. I want you to examine yourselves. What are you holding on to right now that you could give up in order to surrender to God's will? As I mentioned earlier, we as Christians often live by sight rather than by faith. We often find ourselves looking around at our circumstances rather than looking up to God and see what He has in store for us. And quite frankly, this is a problem most Christians have. It's really when you're under any form of persecution or really trials just come at you from every angle that you really begin looking up to God. Right now, many of you have decent jobs, Um, you you live a somewhat of a comfortable life, if you will. I'm not talking that we're rich, but we're richer than many, or at least certainly many nations, although that's being taken away from us. But nevertheless, some of us are very, we're quite comfortable in our lives. And if we're true to ourselves, we really don't look up to God as we ought to. We may look to our job, we'll look to other things, other people, but not to God. Again, gentlemen, are you an Abraham concerning your faith? Are you willing to drop everything and enter into that land unknown where God is calling you and you never know where God is calling you? But be sensitive to that call. Again, Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham was a man of faith who trusted the Lord to guide him safely and show him the way. In this sense, Abraham is a great example to us. For it was Abraham's steadfast faith that helped him obey and follow God's leading step by step. And this is what I'm about to address today, or what I will be addressing today. And again, it's a message that applies to all, but I do want to focus on the men, because you are called to be a leader in some capacity, a leader of your home, perhaps even in your workplace, and so on and so forth. If God calls you to the ministry in the church, Indeed. And we're going to look at how we can increase the faith that we already have. Remember the, remember the apostles prayed, Lord, increase our faith. It can be increased. Your faith can grow as you grow closer to the Lord. And again, this is a message that can apply to both women and men, but I am focusing on the men today. For a Christian man can increase his faith through him. Point one, studying, the studying of God's Word. The study of God's Word. He can increase his faith through sitting under sound King James Bible preaching. If you're in an English-speaking church, and you can increase your faith through standing fast during those times of trial. Yep. Those times of testing, trial, and tribulation, they will come. Studying and meditating on the Word of God. My first point, I would like us now to turn to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, here's a command by the way, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And I would like us now to move back to the Old Testament in the book of Joshua and chapter 1 and verse 8. We're going to go through a few scriptures here now. The book of Joshua, after Deuteronomy, before the book of Judges, the fifth book of the Bible, the book of Joshua, or the sixth book, rather, no, fifth, the sixth, book of Joshua, chapter one, verse eight, and the Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt, what, meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Right? Written therein. For then shalt, uh, shalt make thy way prosperous, and then sh- thou shall have good success. Psalm now, chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 Ooh, as we make our way into the Psalter. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. And also, keep a finger in Psalm 119, if you will. So Psalm 1 verses 1 and 2 The Bible says Blessed is the man that walketh not In the counsel of the ungodly Nor standeth in the way of sinners Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful But His delight is in the law of the Lord Is your, is your delight in the law of the Lord? Is your delight in this King James Bible, as you read it, study it, and even meditate on it, even memorize it, is your, del- is your delight in this book, friends? Is your delight in this book to you, those of you online? I know there's, I believe there's four people uh, tune in right now online. Is your delight in the Word of God? And in His law, doth He meditate day and night. And we're going to get into meditation here, biblical meditation. Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. And David says, Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. And we move over to verse 15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And amen to that. So based on what these verses say concerning the Word of God, the best way for you to increase your faith is through a steady diet of reading, of studying, meditating, and even memorizing the Word of God. Meditating on and even memorizing the Word of God. You will not only increase your faith, but you will always be fed and well-nourished. Well-fed and well-nourished. Neglecting to do so will leave you famished. It will leave you starved of the life-sustaining nourishment that only the heavenly manna from on high can give you. This is your food right here. We as Baptists are known for our bellyship and good food, but we also need to be primarily known for upholding the manna from on high, our bread of life. Yeah, neglecting to read, study, meditate, and memorize the Word of God will leave you starved of the life-sustaining nourishment that only the heavenly man on high can give you. Therefore, you must endeavor at least to nibble, nibble on the Word of God daily. Even better, you must endeavor and purpose in your heart to feast on it. And this can only come about through the diligent study of God's Word and daily meditation on it. Yes, we must meditate on the Word of God as well. In other words, you think of Bible principles and you meditate. You think of verses, you think of what they're saying, and you just think about it. You even think about apply how you can apply it. Apply it to your own life. Practically apply it. To clarify, to med- meditating on God's Word and its precepts is entirely different from the meditation practices and techniques that are used in all Eastern-based religions. Meditating on the Word of God requires us to muse. It requires us to ponder and even think out loud about what His Word is saying. It implies reasoning about the Word and deducing insights from it. It implies filling our minds, your mind, with it. It implies saturating yourself with its precepts and statutes. That's what biblical meditation is all about. But this is not the case with all Eastern-based religions and Eastern-based meditation. The meditation techniques employed in Buddhism, Hinduism, the New Age and other similar type methods require you to completely empty and purge your mind only to fill it with something else. And that something else is is often unbiblical and contradictory to what the Word of God teaches which some devil has whispered into your ear, has filled your mind. That's what, that's what Eastern mysticism and all the meditation techniques and everything else associated with it is designed to rid your mind and open up that portal. Now you have an empty space and now these devils, these, these, these demonic influences can now fill it with their, demonic, their doctrines of devils, if you will. We need to keep in mind that Eastern-based meditation finds its roots in the occult. The emptying of one's mind essentially opens a portal which lends itself to either demonic oppression or outright possession. Now, this came to mind in the Oshawa Center. I don't know if you've seen it when you've been there. There's a store called Love and Peace for All, right? No, just you, you kind of, as you go enter the food court and then you make a left, it's the, it's, it's, you can smell all the incense in that place. And you got those Himalayan salts and all that called Love and Peace for All. Well, I look at I look I didn't go in there because I won't go in there. I don't want a devil attached to me, but I look at that and I start thinking. You know the the wheels go right. But this is what their homepage says. Get this. I figure you know what I'm going to quote their homepage. Love and Peace for All Incorporated is a Canadian holistic healing, metaphysical, spiritual wellness center, based in on Ontario. The center brings traditional holistic healing practices and modalities to all. all of humanity it goes on to say we are now able to provide virtual training and practices to people all around the world from online psychic and tarot readings to virtual yoga virtual exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) virtual yoga, meditation and reiki sessions, I want to focus on reiki by the way because this this is going to be another illustration Continues to say our store offers items to clear space, balance your chakra energy system, <laughs> exactly, and support holistic uh, healing practices like yoga, meditation, and Reiki. In addition, they complement practices such as life coaching. That reminds me of a man we had. And he was big into life coaching, and Ayurvedic yoga, yoga lifestyle of healthy living and nutrition. I've always said this: Satan has hijacked health. The whole, you know, the health and well-being. Everything that God has given us for help, the new age and, and the occult, is hijacked It Now, Reiki. I thought this was interesting because there's a gentleman I work with. Um, his name is Adam and his wife. They went to a... They're not Christians, by the way, so I can understand being deceived by this. But they went to a Reiki. They went to a Reiki uh, session. You know the Reiki's therapeutic heal and basically what they do is they just go over they hover they don't touch your body they just hover over like certain areas and all over he said, the next day he couldn't barely get out of bed, his body was so sore. keep in mind this is not a, a like you know like you're going in for like a massage and they're really digging in and you know no, it's just like. Over over his body, like uh, he says he's never felt so exhausted and heavy and just like this. Well, I told you, well, you subjected yourself to a new age practice. I'm gonna say it's actually demonic in origin, devilish in origin. Anyway, Reiki defined. And this is right from a Reiki dot, right from Reiki.org, F-A-Q page. Figure might as well go right to the source. What is Reiki? Their words, their question. Reiki is a Japanese technique for stress reduction and relaxation that also promotes healing. So these, this is their words, by the way, not me. It's just me basically reading what they have to say and defining it. It is administered by, quote-unquote, laying on hands and is based... Now, laying on hands does not mean that they physically touch the body. They just, you know... And is based on the idea that an unseen, quote-unquote, life force energy Flows through us. What's another name for that, by the way? Kundalini, yeah. right? Kundalini, uh, through us, and is what causes us to be alive. No, yeah. see, that's a counterfeit Holy Spirit, yeah. right? We are quickened, yeah. made alive when we are born again, and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. You've got an out. You've got a counterfeit here. If one's, continues on, it says here, if one's life force energy is low, then we are more likely to get sick or feel stress. And if it is high, we are more capable of being happy and healthy. By the way, you notice this term, energy. We had a man sitting in this church, right behind you, you know who he is, sitting in this church, who would use terms, you could just, energy and things like that, there's this energy. Now, I'm not saying he was... It was deliberate, but there's a spirit behind that. There's a spirit behind that. I'm not saying it's deliberate. He may have been ignorant to the fact that he's using such words. You know what? To me, that's the fruit of a man who's never been born again. You're you're going to speak biblical language. Once you're saved, you are going to speak biblical language. I think we often take it for granted in, in this room... But when I'm having conversations with Luke, Andrew, Brad, and any of you, just Bible language just flows from our lips. It flows. Not in the way that this flows, by the way. (laughs) Okay, I just want to, don't want you to get confused there. Amen. Continues on to say here the word Reiki is made of two Japanese words, Rai, R E I, which means, quote unquote. Why don't you listen to this now? I've done some research. God's wisdom or higher power. Where do you hear higher power? Alcoholic Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous. They'll have that, what do you call that prayer? That serenity prayer. They're praying to a higher power. And that higher power is not the God of the Bible, by the way. Absolutely not. So it means God's wisdom or higher power. Which God? What God? A minutes, it? it absolutely is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. You know what? It's just a different color of paint. And key, and I'm going to give you another, key, which is life force energy. You know those wireless chargers? You know what they're called? Key chargers. Chargers. Key. Life force. Yeah, those wireless, you know, absolutely. That's where they get it from. Life force energy. So Reiki is actually, quote unquote, spiritually guided life force energy. These are their words. I want to test the spirits here. That's what my Bible tells me. It continues on. A treatment feels like a wonderful glowing radiance that fault that flows through and around you. Reiki treats the whole person, including body, emotions, mind, and spirit, creating many beneficial effects that include relaxation and feelings of peace. I'm not gonna trust that peace, my friends. Whatever they incorporate feelings of peace, I'm not gonna trust my that feeling of peace. I'm going to trust the one who's given me that peace. Amen? That peace uh, that, which passeth all understanding. That's the peace I'm going to trust. The peace of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that He's given us. Security and well-being. Many have reported miraculous results. This is their language. continues on here. Reiki is a simple, a simple, natural, and safe method of spiritual healing and self-improvement, self-developed, that everyone can use. <laughs> I had to bring that up. Sorry, gentlemen. It has been effective in helping virtually every known illness and malady and always creates a beneficial effect. It also works in conjunction with all other medical or therapeutic techniques to relieve side effects and promote recovery. Google continues on to say, An amazing, simple technique to learn. The ability to use Reiki is not taught in the usual sense, but is transferred to the student during a Reiki class. This ability is passed on during an attunement given by a Reiki master. Well, you know what Jesus said about the masters here, right? And allows the student to tap into an unlimited supply of, quote-unquote, life force energy to improve one's health and enhance the quality of life. Continues on to say, It is used, its use rather, is not dependent on one's intellectual capacity or spiritual development and is therefore available to everyone. Now, I would be surprised if there's some professing Christians that are just totally ignorant, given over to some of the stuff. That includes, um, what do you call it uh, with the pins there? Acupuncture. Acupuncture, exactly. continues on. It has been successfully taught to thousands of people of all ages and backgrounds. While Reiki is spiritual in nature, it is not a religion, they say. It has no dogma, and there is, you know, do as thou wilt, right? And there is nothing you must believe in order to learn and use Reiki. In fact, Reiki is not dependent on belief at all and will work whether you believe in or not. Because Reiki uh, comes from, quote unquote, this is what they say, capital G, comes from God. Well, it's certainly not the God of our Bible here. Absolutely not. Many people find that using Reiki puts puts them more in touch with the experience. Of the religion, rather than having only an intellectual concept of it, doesn't that sound like every charismatic out there, right? The experience. I remember one time at work, uh, one lady who used to go to the faithfully go to the prayer palace. She and she she was from she she was from uh, uh, Guyana, and she had the accent. She goes, "You could feel the Holy Spirit." She goes, "You could feel it, right?" They would see you know they would sing for about an hour and a half, and they, you know it's always like that real energized you know i remember one time my mom way back went went with her friend rosie to the prayer palace not when they're up in Finch, the old place by jane and wilson there and i was a teenager and i went to pick her up and i went inside and you see them like like the all the old ladies they all like go just get into like a frenzy in the front there and i said wow what? <laughs> praise the lord amen Yep. yeah continues on here, it says, while Reiki is not a religion, it is important to live and act in a way that promotes harmony with others. Hmm. Isn't isn't that what you're hearing from the woke crowd? Except, everything else is acceptable, but but, in the preaching of it. Mikhail or Mikau Yusui, the founder of the Reiki system of natural healing, recommended that one practice certain simple, one practice certain simple ethical ideals to promote peace and harmony. You can see how it's setting people up in the one-world uh, religion here, which are nearly universal across all cultures. There's an ecumenical flavor there. It goes on to say, during a meditation, during a meditation, several years after developing Reiki, Mikau Yusui decided to add the Reiki ideals to the practice of Reiki. The ideals came in part from the five principles of the of the Maiji Emperor of Japan, whom Mikau Yusui admired. The ideals were developed, to add, developed rather, to add spiritual balance to Yusui Reiki. Their purpose is to help people realize that healing the spirit by consciously deciding to improve oneself is a necessary part of the Reiki healing experience. In order for Reiki healing energies to have lasting results, keep that energies... The client must accept responsibility for her or his healing and take an active part in it. Therefore, the Yusui system of Reiki is more than the use of the Reiki energy. It must also include an active commitment to improve oneself in order, right, works-based, in order for it to to be a complete system. It continues on here. The ideals are both guidelines for living a gracious life and virtues worthy of practice for their inherent value. Now this is what Mikhail Mikhail Yusui says. He says, The secret art of inviting happiness, the miraculous medicine of all diseases, just for today, do not anger. This is what it is. Do not anger, do not worry, and be filled with gratitude. Devote yourself to your work. Be kind to people. Every morning and evening, join your hands in prayer. To what? And pray these words. Remember what Jesus said, right? Vain repetitions. To your heart. And chant these words with your mouth. Use yusui reiki treatment for the improvement of body and mind. And those were his words. There you go. Through all of that, there's a false meditation. Moving forward now to increase your faith, again, you must meditate on the Word of God, and you must diligently and earnestly study it. This invariably requires a lot of discipline and work. It will. It takes work to study your Bible. In fact, I would say reading is not enough. You need to study the book. I was encouraged by Jay when he said, you know what, I've read the whole Bible. Have you read it all now? Or are you almost there to reading? Almost, So once he's got a plan, once he's 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 read the whole Bible once over. He's now going to pick a section and study, study. I didn't tell him to do that. You know who did? God. Amen. Amen. I'm encouraged by that. You must be encouraged by that. Were you doing the the ABCs of Christian the growth assurance of salvation? Are you going to joke around there? <laughs> My wife said something to me. It was funny. Joking. (laughs) Joke. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I hear these things. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Requires a lot of discipline and work. This time it's because learning the Bible requires serious labor in order to be a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I'll have to add rightly, rightly dividing the word of truth because there are some who claim to rightly divide the word of truth but are actually wrongly dividing the word of truth under the guise of rightly dividing the word of truth. Repeat that after me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, from a practical standpoint, you need to set aside a good portion of time to adequately fulfill this endeavor. Failure to do so will inevitably leave you, inevitably leave you famished. It will starving. The man of faith must develop a a daily reading and study habit if he is to move forward in his faith and if he is to be the man of God that he is called to be. The man of faith must learn the principles of sound Bible interpretation. Hermeneutics. All of this requires much diligence and work. Now you'll learn it through the local church, but you have I mean, the task is given to yourself. you need to study the Bible yourself. In fact, don't rely on what I'm preaching. Study it out. Again, the best way to increase your faith or to build your faith is a steady diet of the Word of God, and I cannot emphasize that enough. Make it a habit of, fill, of filling uh, of, uh, of feeding rather, your soul with the bread of life before you feed your belly with food or that toast that you're about to eat or whatever you decide to have for breakfast I skip breakfast all the time remember these words of our Lord when he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness when he said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God gentlemen what what, uh, what verse was he quoting What verse, gentlemen? Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. Now you know. Store it. Yeah. We've got our bread, our daily bread, what we eat. But then we have to feast on the bread of life. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Verses 48 to 51. I am the bread of life, he said. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. That is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. And this is the living bread in written form. I want to add that. Which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread. Not what they're doing over here at St. Rose of Lima. That's blasphemy. Where they're taking the bread of life and they're actually turning it into a wafer and crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ afresh several times on Sunday. Any man eat the, eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Now speaking to the you Christians here, you may only have a childlike understanding of what the Bible says. I mean, and you may not have a full grasp of many of its core doctrines. This is understandable. But this does not mean that you have not been profited from reading it and studying it and sitting under the preaching of it. Absolutely not. It does not mean that what you have gleaned thus far has not done you any good. It has done you good. I remember when I was first saved reading the Bible and I was the type that I wanted to know everything at once. And it used to frustrate me. But over time, I, 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 I've, come to, I've come to realize that it's that gradual nibbling and nibbling and nibbling. In fact, not too long we had a gentleman in this church and I would always tell him, you know what, you need to slow down. You need to treat the Word of God like it is a T-bone steak, if you will. And you cut it up into small pieces and you just slowly nibble away. Why? Because it will take a lot longer to digest if you just wolf it down. You can't. But bit by bit you will like digest. But this young man wanted to know everything. Obviously he had an agenda behind it. I understand that. But he wanted to know everything and glean everything at once. So they could use it to fulfill whatever uh, self-centered and self-glorifying uh, agenda that he had. First Peter 2.2 2 for the new Christians, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Eventually, I could see Brother J moving on from milk and consuming meat. But in the meantime, you are consuming the milk of the word. And that is nothing wrong, because it's going to help you grow so that you can progress unto the meat. Often we don't give children or infants solids until several months in, five, six months, or whatever it is. Isaiah 28 verses 9 to 10. We're talking about nibbling on the word of God. And you just mark it down. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. Listen to this. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. uh, Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. But the word of the Lord, verse 13, was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Well, here, here a little, precept upon precept. Hear a little, there a little. That's what it's all about. I've had one person ask me, why do you, why do you read the Bible over and over again? Right here. Here a little precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Line upon line. Line upon line. Repeat. Line upon line. Because God has given us His Word, it does not mean that we need to understand all the ingredients contained therein at once to know that it's profitable for us. I didn't understand what Calvinism was when I first got saved, even a few months after. I heard it talked and preached about in the behind the pulpit, but I didn't really have a full understanding. I tried to research it, but it's just what it was too much at that time for me to truly grasp it. But you know what? I believe what the Bible says against it. It was the Holy Scriptures that helped Timothy have, a faith, have faith as a child. Do you realize that? 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15 says, And that from a child thou is known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise under salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So once again, reading, memorizing, meditating, and studying the scriptures will all help to increase your faith. It will all help to build your faith. The disciples' faith increased when they heard our Lord Jesus Christ speak. By the way, when you're reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on the written word, you're hearing the living word speak. Amen? Amen? Yeah? What the living word was to the disciples is what the written word here in our King James Bible is to us. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Therefore, we know the word is a person here. He was not only with God but He was God. Verse 14 The word the living word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory the glory is of the only begotten the Father full of grace and truth. As food is for the body so is God's word for the soul. Hebrews 5 verses 12 through 14. I will read this for the sake of time. For when the, for, for when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Eventually, Jay will have the need of strong milk. He'll move on rather meat rather than needing the milk. You'll pass, you'll pass that point. Where the milk is not enough, it needs to get more in depth. You will reach that point. And I hope some of you here have moved past the milk of the word. You're not going to grow. You're going to be a baby Christian for the rest of your lives. For, every, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to him that are full of age, even those who by reason of use, reason of use, right? Uh, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Have your senses been exercised to discern both good and evil? I hope so. They won't be if you're not into the Word. As food is for the body, so is God's Word for the soul. Just as none of you here would ever think of going without eating unless you plan a fast. I understand that. So every man should not go a day without reading and studying his Bible. You need to at least read it. And you should study it as often as possible. For a man to increase his faith, he must study and meditate on God's Word. But he also must sit under sound preaching. The next point, sound preaching. Sitting under sound preaching will increase the faith of the man of God. The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse 17 so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible gives us numerous examples of people who believed when they heard the preaching. Paul reminded the church of Corinth that he was just a minister by which they believed when he said who then is Paul and who is Apostle, Apollos he was a preacher as well but ministers by whom ye believed. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5 the Samaritans believed uh, believe because of Philip's preaching in Acts chapter 8. For verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They believed Philip. They believed. There were about 3,000 souls that believed at Pentecost when they heard Peter's preaching. In fact, they were pricked at their heart. Verses 41 and 42 of Acts 2 says, Then they that gladly received His word, in other words, they got saved, and were baptized on the same day uh, There were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is discipleship. They believe the preaching, and they're acting out upon it. They actually, you know what, they're continuing that doctrine. They heard the preaching, Uh, And you know what? We're going to continue in what's been taught us. And that's what they did. In fellowship and in breaking the bread and prayers. Sitting under sound preaching is vital, friends. It is vital for one to first come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is vital for one to grow in his faith without being tossed to and fro uh, to us to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So once you're saved, it is vital to sit under sound preaching that you're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That's Ephesians chapter 4. This is why it is vital to find a good King James Bible believing Baptist church and join it through scriptural baptism. Amen. Amen. There are those out there who have convinced themselves that the local church is disposable. But these men don't know their Bibles. If they did, they would cherish the local church. They would love it as Jesus Christ loved it. Indeed, they would cherish it because our Lord Jesus Christ loved it and bled and died for it. For it was the church. I'm speaking of the local church, by the way, and the local churches that Jesus Christ purchased with His own blood. These men are fools for thinking the local church is disposable. They will not be able to do it on their own. They are often church tramps Hopping from one church to another, never committing themselves to any work. You know what? They enter and they come into a church. They get offended, and they're off bad-mouthing the preacher in another church. And of course, you got a dumb pastor. Maybe he was sympathetic, giving them, giving them a sympathetic ear. And you know what? They, offend that pa- they get offended by that pastor, backstab him, and go to another church. Many of you here have seen it happen time and time again. People just hopping from church to church never getting anywhere in the Christian life. They are church tramps. It's only through a good local church that one could truly grow and serve the Lord to the fullest. Otherwise, you're just a lone ranger who's aimlessly wandering about doing your own thing. So sitting under sound Bible preaching is absolutely vital. It is vital to first believe and then to grow in grace. I'd like us to know what Paul says in Romans 10 verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, preachers have to preach the word in order to nurture the faith of their listeners. That's my duty here. In order for faith to occur in the person, he must listen to the preacher, and the preacher must preach the word. So yeah, listen to the preacher, but if he's not preaching the word, or preaching something contradictory to the word, you don't have to listen to him. No, be a Berean. Sitting under sound preaching will indeed nurture your faith. It will build and increase your faith. This is why it is imperative that you not only identify with a good King James Bible-believing Baptist church. I'm speaking to those out there. Of course, those of you here have or do identify with that church. But that you also have a purpose in your heart to be there when the doors are open. Now I'm speaking to you. The mere thought of missing church ought to grieve you. It ought to make you sick to your stomach. But sadly, some of you this may not be the case. with some of you, this may not be the case. For the men here, and even fathers, future fathers, you'll find the unique thing of being a father, the unique thing about being a father is that you build your faith, you build the faith of your family by putting them around sound, the sound preaching, or subjecting them rather to the sound preaching of the word of God. I remember Dr. Mosbacher giving this illustration. After he got saved, his wife was unsaved, his daughter was unsaved. He would literally carry them and throw them in the back seat of the car. <laughs> That's at least what's what he said. And she would like be resisting. Nope, right, at the church. Eventually, she got saved. You said there's a mission there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nope. Sitting under sound preacher of the word of God will help increase your faith. With the advent of the internet, the preaching of the word of God is available for all to listen almost any time of the day. Now, obviously. You need to exercise strong discernment when it comes to who you're listening to. But you're living in a day when there's no excuse to hear any kind of preaching. By the way, I don't recommend internet preaching if you're neglecting the house of God. If you're neglecting the local assembly. I don't recommend that. But there's some good preaching out there. Absolutely. I need it. I know some of you here do or have listened to preachers online. And I will advise that you be extremely picky concerning those who you do choose to listen to. Be very sensitive to what they teach because you don't want to be veering astray. And also to be mindful. And I want many of you and those of you online to be mindful that listening to preaching online should never replace the local church. And I understand you may be living in a place for those online where there's no good Bible, you know, Bible-believing, King James Bible-believing Baptist church. I understand that. And understand, in, in that case, by God's grace, then we can be a blessing to them. But pray, pray, and earnestly pray for God to provide the means to, to, to plant you and to set you in the local body as it has pleased Him. And He will answer that prayer. I firmly believe that. <clears throat> but you know what the problem is for today? Why many listen on internet uh, preaching, why they listen to it? Or whatever, maybe going through reels and all that sort of stuff. Because they couldn't care less about sound Bible preaching. They want that country club atmosphere. They just want their ears tickled with some feel-good message that never convicts and that never challenges them. Yeah. Paul prophesied of this day that this day would come and it's here today and we're living in that day. He said this in 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine... But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now in verse 3 here of 2 Timothy chapter 4 this is what commentator John Gill says. And I've, said, I've mentioned this before but I will repeat it again. He says, when they, w- when they will not endure sound doctrine, quoting the scripture, he says, The gospel which contains the wholesome words of Christ And is sound itself, having no corruption in it, and salutary in its effects to the souls of men. And yet such is the depravity of some men, both in principles and practice, that they cannot receive it, nor bear to hear it, were living in those days. Turn their backs on it, express their indignation at it, and treat it not only with neglect, but with ridicule and contempt. But after their own loss, they shall heap to themselves teachers. And I, this is really an important. This is really something amazing what he says here. Not being content with the ministry of one man only, or of a few, though of their own sort, but must follow many. This is this TikTok generation, by the way, flipping through sound bites and then building their theology based on what they're hearing that sounds good. And of course, uh, many of these young men and women, for that matter, are building a brand and it's all about their narcissistic image. So they, they're looking at what maybe people of their own generation are into and the lingo that they use and the sound bites that attracts them. And they're going to incorporate that in their message. So that's how they want to win over the crowd. And winning over that crowd is not really for the well-being of those that they're winning over, but to build up their own image. Do you understand where I'm getting that here? we anyway, continue on here so of the must small many and have heaps of them which seems to express not only the number of false teachers which they accumulate to themselves but the confused and indiscreet choice they make of them and that after their own lusts choosing to hear such as either indulge them in their sinful lusts and pleasures or are agreeable, agreeable to their private corrupt sentiments in opposition to the generally received doctrine of faith He goes on to say, It is a blessing to have pastors and teachers after God's heart who preach according to the word of God. These feed men with knowledge and understanding, but it is a curse upon people people when they are left to choose teachers after their own hearts. He wrote that 200 years ago. I would say we're living in a day where this is even more applicable than the day he wrote this. Continue on. Good preaching will never tickle your ears, friends but it will convict the heart and it will vex the flesh while feeding the spirit and nourishing the soul. For the pastor is charged with edifying the body is a tall order. For he is commanded to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove that is bring to light, rebuke that is scold sharply, there is a time for that, exhort that is to urge, admonish by strong argument with all long-suffering and doctrine. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verses 11-13, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Well, you know what? The local church is disposable. Not according to this. You might as well throw some of uh, half of Paul's writings here. Pastors and teachers. And this is the reason why he's given some. For the perfecting of the saints. That is your, your maturity in the faith. That is your spiritual growth. For the work of the ministry, that is your service. And for the edifying of the body of Christ, it's the building up of the local church. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Continue on. For a man to increase his faith, he must study and meditate on God's word, and he must sit under sound preaching. And lastly, he must stand fast during times of trial, during times of testing and tribulation. During times of testing, trials, and tribulation. In plain words or other words, a man of faith must be equipped to endure trials that will and that shall befall him. They're coming. They're coming. Often God uses trials and testing as a means of building, growing, and purifying your faith. I'll even add, refining your faith. First Peter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness, through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious, amen, than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. James 1, verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. Don't pray for the patience. You know why? Because God's going to bring, God's gonna bring uh, trials and testing. Oh, Lord, help me to be patient. Oh, He's going to help you. You know what He's going to bring? He's going to bring some trials in your life. By the way, you may be praying for something but don't expect God to answer that right away. Maybe God wants you to wait. Maybe God's got something for you to do right now in the church that you're not doing. Maybe God wants you to take your mind off of yourself and place it on Him. Yeah. Spurgeon once says, More closeness to God, more confidence in Him, and more joy to Him often come to the child of God when He's most under fire. That's Spurgeon. It's hard to increase our faith when we have all and need nothing. When you have all the creature comforts and have need of nothing, you often forget that God's given you it all, given it all to you. And you know what? Once you have it all and you're used to having it all, you take him for granted. This lends itself to the comfortable creature comfort Christianity that we see today, that we're experiencing in the West. You see, our natural tendency is to lean on what we have in terms of money, people, possessions, and even position instead of God. That's the natural tendency. Yet He is the one who has given us all of these things. He's given you your job. He's given you your career. He's given you everything. He gets the glory. By the way, you better be willing to give it all up if He wants you to. And Why? Because He can take it away on a whim. Remember, it is God that's in control, not you. You're not in control. Don't think you are. You're not. It's God who's in control. So my dear brethren, if trials haven't come your way, then mark my words, they're coming. They're coming. And sometimes they come fast and furious. Now, no one enjoys the trial as you're going through it, or the trials as you're going through them. But what the trial is designed to do is to keep you humble and focused on God. Sometimes God needs to get arrest your attention, and He'll use trials. He'll bring about trials in your life. When in the midst of the fiery trial, it can often become difficult to believe in God, to believe God, or to trust in Him, trust in His promises. You're wondering, Lord, how long? Why? How many Christians ask why? Why? There is a time to ask why. There's nothing wrong with it, but you better be not. You better not be doubting God. often God puts you through the furnace to bring about a complete change in perspective on how you view life he does this because he wants to refine you he wants to purify you therefore it is imperative that you stand fast through those times of trials and testing it is imperative that you cling on to God's grace during such times that all sufficient grace it is imperative now as you all know Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. We are concluding now, by the way. But I want to remind you that not all mentioned in this chapter had faith in victory. No. Some had faith in defeat. Sometimes your faith is increased through defeat, through failure. Failure is not always a bad thing. It is often in a place of defeat or failure where God can reach you. You know, what? he's having a hard time reaching you on the mountaintop, so he needs to get you in the valley. I want us to keep in mind that it was faith that gave Caleb a mountain. It was faith that, gave, that provided the son for Hannah. She believed God, although she was barren. It was faith that gave Joshua the victory, and this list can go on and on and on. Faith can bring all of that. You often hear the charismatic saying faith can move mountains, and yes... But faith is not going to provide you with that Lamborghini if you want it. It's not, going to, it's not going to provide you with that Boeing 747. I'm not praying for that. I wouldn't even want that. I wouldn't even want a mansion with, with 25 rooms, 18 bathrooms, and who knows what else. I wouldn't want that. But faith, it will, be, it will, faith will help you grow in the Lord. That's what faith will do faith in God's promises, faith in His Word. Yeah. So my question to you is, are you a man of faith? To the men here, to the women too, are you ladies of faith? Are you women of faith? Are you truly a man of faith? Do you want to increase your faith? Do you want to be an Abraham? Look, examine your lives. Can your faith increase? Are you still doubting God? Maybe, maybe not in word, but your actions may certainly show that you're, you're doubting God. May give evidence that you're actually doubting God. Are you willing to go out on a limb to answer His call? Are you willing to leave it all behind if He calls you to? Heavenly Father, we give Thee thanks for the blessing of Thy Word. Lord, I trust that this Word was an encouragement to Thy people here and even those online. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that may we all be men and women of faith. Lord, may we all be willing to surrender ourselves to thy calling to truly surrender all, Lord. I know it's a failure in my life, Lord and I need more that you know when I analyze my own life, there's more I can surrender to thee. And I trust that the same is here for being truly honest to ourselves. Lord, I pray, Lord bless the time of fellowship, bless the good food that we're about to eat. Lord bless the hands that lovingly prepared the good food, Lord. In Jesus' precious, holy, and blessed and wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen.